What's up, everybody? This is another episode of WAP. My name is Patrick C. Huerta. I am sitting with uh, Henry Lee Padilla. How about we start with the Frankenbike? How'd you get started in that? Uh, Frankenbike, I got started with it in uh, 2009. Um, I had moved to San Antonio and started getting back into bikes. I'd been out of it for a little while. And it kind of just uh, accumulated a, you know, a, a peripheral of, of parts and, and a few bikes. And uh, during that early time, I, I started riding with the uh, Downtown High Life Bicycle Club. And so one Saturday, they organized a bicycle swap meet and it was at uh, Latuna. And it was pretty cool, you know, bike swap meet. People came out and I sold some stuff. I bought some stuff, and so I was like real excited about it. I was like, man, you know, when's the when's the next one? When are we gonna do this again? And, and nobody really had a plan for the next one, so I, I just got the idea. Well, I'll just start one myself, you know. So I kind of organized something. I found a place that would you know sponsor us or, or, or be a host rather. And we had a, I had three bicycle swap meets at the uh, Acapulco Lounge. Um, Alamo Street and uh, I had some guys that came down from Austin and they were like hey you ever heard of Frankenbike and I was like no I haven't been up to Austin yet I don't know anything about it and there was a guy named Chris Gross you need to go there and meet him you know you guys are kind of doing the same thing so I went up there and met up with Chris we hit it off pretty well and he's like I kind of want Frankenbike to venture out to San Antonio Houston Dallas you know Wherever, wherever we can get started, you know. How about we start with San Antonio first? Mm. Uh, would you be interested? You know? like, yeah, yeah, it sounds like a good thing. I could do it, you know. I already had built up a little bit of a following. And uh, so that's how it pretty much started on my end. Yeah. And uh, I think this uh, this year coming up, it's going to be uh, the eighth year of Frankenbike. And so it still goes on every month in Austin and Houston and San Antonio. And, uh, and it's just like a big old swap meet of stuff, like bike parts? And yeah, bike parts, bicycle, related items, you know, clothing, posters, you know, it's always kind of different stuff. You have a pretty good number of usual vendors that, that, you know, circulate things pretty well. And then you have people who come every once in a while, new, new beginners that come out and um, for the last I'd say maybe five years. We've had an independent brewery out of Austin that, that supplies uh, gags, uh, well, a keg rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll have uh, everybody pitching a donation. You get a glass of beer and some independent swag. And if we have Frank and Bike shirts, we sell shirts and you know whatever posters are available. That's cool. So you started that one here, and then you passed it on to somebody to continue running it. For yeah, you? yeah. I uh, the first time I passed it on, I, I decided to go. I got a job offer up in uh, St. Louis to uh, go work with my uncle, or this is my uncle or my cousin. <laughs> I never know. Anyway, so he was up there, and and so I got a buddy to take it over, and I went there to St. Louis for six months, and. Uh, Got it started up there. Had a, I think like six or seven Franken bikes mm-hmm. while I was there, and uh, came back to San Antonio and got back into the San Antonio scene. But um, 
yeah, yeah, it's been it's been pretty cool. It's, it's cool to know that it's still going strong every month. You know? Yeah, y'all just had one today, right? Yeah, yeah. At the Owl Beer Depot or something. Yeah, the Beer Depot. That's cool. I know with work, you're you're always traveling, you're always flying, you're always posting stuff from uh, you know all different types of places and stuff. Yeah. But when you're home, you, you're running your own bike shop, right? I have a, a, a little repair shop out of the house that uh, I've been doing the last four years. It's called Bike Seven. And uh, so, yeah, you know, it, I, when I'm home, I usually have some, you know, two or three or four bikes. You know, people call me up or just looking for used parts. And they call me and see if I have what they're looking for. Yeah, and usually if I don't, I you have a number of people that I can say, oh, I think so-and-so might have this, check with him. You know? mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a pretty good community that we've built, you know, out of uh, Franklin Bike. And... Uh, it's a growing like, community too, right? The whole bicycle scene, like it seems like everybody has a bike now. Everybody's yeah, a bike yeah. It's now. amazing how how big it's gotten, how much it's grown, and the number of people that are riding now uh, compared to when I came here nine years ago. Mm-hmm. There was a small scene here, and it was it was just getting ready to explode, you know. And it's it definitely has taken off. Mm-hmm. A lot of people riding. What? Why do you think that is? What, why do you think the bicycles? came back like the bicycle scene or uh, did I just not know about it like it was always there was always a scene there was always a scene but it, it, it it's it's definitely been like kind of underground you know you know smaller groups um, but I think things really changed when the city really started trying to get people to come back downtown and people started moving downtown and then the bike culture itself across the United States is really caught people's attention they liked it you know they liked the freedom of being out of their car and and just being outdoors you know and and so we had a lot of uh almost like subcultures that kind of branched off from bicycling you know like you have fixed gear riders and which is usually urban downtown riders and which and that fixed gear kind of type of riding came out from uh indoor track riding so you know it's kind of a bit of a fashion thing as well as like anything else in music or art you know it develops different styles and you have very influential people that you know have strong ideas and and start their own scenes you know mm. and in San Antonio we definitely have a few different types of bicycle clubs uh, riders per se and uh, I guess throughout the years uh, being in cycling, or, or I started BMX racing in '77. I raced until '86, I think it was. And so I've always kind of been, you know, I grew up in the West Coast for for a little bit. So I got that West Coast connection style, you know. And um, I forgot what I was going to go with that, <laughs> but it's just always kind of been in, in my life, you know. And and so when I came to San Antonio. There was definitely certain people that they were ready to, to take it take it to the next level, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a lot of people moving to downtown. Uh, downtown neighborhoods were, were changing, and new businesses were opening up, and new bike shops were coming in town. And mm-hmm. So it just really took off. You know, it's been it's pretty amazing to see how much it's changed and grown, and yeah. all the different aspects of, of, of cycling. And, that's happening in people's lives mm-hmm. and all walks of lives, you know. 
Yeah. So do you mainly enjoy like uh, like city riding? I think I saw that you were doing trails and stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you prefer, doing the trails or the city? Uh, I guess uh, I, I definitely being in San Antonio, uh, more urban. You know, and we've got the Mission Trails. We've got a lot of uh, the Greenway, uh, the Elm Creek Valley trails that are you know pretty awesome to ride as well. But being that I live downtown, it's and I work downtown, it's been I guess easier and uh, to be in town riding. Mm-hmm. Oh. So that's cool. You also do a lot of photography. Have you you've been in doing photography for for a while now? Huh? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, what got you into that? I originally started shooting or learning about photography uh, my senior year in high school. I had to go to uh, alternative school the last year to, to gain the credits I needed to graduate, and uh, the school that, that I went to there, they offered a photography class. So I was like, I've always been interested in it. Um, I had a few cameras here and there. And, uh, during that time, I was really skateboarding a lot. And so everybody would kind of take pictures of you know, each other skating and different you know, pools and whatever stuff we would skate. So anyway, I got, I got into that class and uh, it really, uh, really drawed me in. I really got interested in it. You know, I learned how to shoot you know, and composition and depth of field, you know, you've got the real true aspects of it. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to shoot in black and white and develop your own film and make prints. And so that's pretty much what started. And it just kind of carried on through the years, you know, mainly with the skateboarding. That was that was the big thing for many years. I skated for a long, long time. I grew up with about eight different guys all through high school. We all skateboarded together and just went all over the place, you know, other cities, you know, they're into purposely hit different skate parks, uh, pools, and legendary places we've seen in magazines, you know. And uh, so we always were videotaping and taking photos. So I did that for a while, and then I, I, it kind of fizzled out for a few years, and then uh, I think in, oh, it was 2000, I decided to uh, do a bike tour or ride through Alaska and went from Fairbanks to Anchorage. And uh, How long was that? How long ago was that? Uh, 510 miles. Oh. And I did, I did it in six days. And uh, and after the ride, I stayed, rented an RV and then like toured for like another two and a half weeks. And so that really like, being in Alaska, I had a camera with me and you know, what I saw there, I was just so drawn to take photos of it, and that kind of rejuvenated, you know, taking photos. So I started taking photos again for like a good five, six years. Mm-hmm. Just different stuff, you know, where I was, whatever caught my eye, whether I'd be in the city or out in the woods or you know, just, just a lot of different things. And do you do that mainly as a hobby or is that something like, do you sell any of these prints? I really have never sold any of my prints. I've, I've given a few prints away to friends and family, but uh, really haven't. It's been more of a hobby than it has uh, anything. I've done. A, I've gotten paid by a few people, like shooting their houses, you know, to real estate or uh, not to uh, or cars, you know, sell the cars or motorcycles. And so it's been kind of cool to do that. Um, but I'm, I'm looking for the future to, to kind of make that happen more. You know, Start leaning towards that more. Yeah, just get some, make some prints and get them out there. You know? Yeah. 
I definitely get a lot of attention on my Instagram. I get a lot of a pretty good number of followers, you know, and I don't always shoot the same thing, you know, always, I, there's just, I never know what's going to catch my, you know. It and changes all the time? It does, you know, it, especially wherever I'm at, you know, whether I'm in a different city or, you know, there's different things to, to, to see and capture. And uh, it's funny, I went to a, a local art or photo um, exhibit last night here in town, and it was all women uh, from San Antonio and Dallas, and I think maybe a couple of chicks live in New York, and just kind of all over. But there was some really good, good stuff, you know, and I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, how I, I see photos, like how I would, if I'm walking somewhere, if I, if I see something, it may be like one thing that captures my eye and, and I, that's the main focus. And then there's sometimes when that one thing captures my eye, but then within like 20, 10 to 20 seconds, I'm kind of like, look at the, all the surroundings, kind of looking how, how do I shoot it to get the composition to help draw that person that sees the photo more into the photo, mm -hmm. to make it almost like you're a part of, you know, what I'm shooting. It's like you're there, you're seeing what I'm seeing. So I was thinking about that, I, you know, I wish I would ask some of the other photographers that question, you know, mm -hmm. when you're out, when you're shooting, you know, how do you see it? You know, what do you see? Is there like one main focus? Or do you look at the whole, your whole surroundings, you know? I think it's, you know, it's probably different for everybody, but maybe we all kind of have the same aspect, you know? Do you go through that when, when you're shooting stuff? Like, do you plan out these shoots or is it just spontaneous? Some shots? stuff, some stuff I will plan out. You know, I know specific places I want to go. I'm waiting for the sun to rise, you know, or trying to capture when the sun is setting or rising, you know, and, you know, those, those situations, they're, they're pretty quick, you know, and light changes, you know, pretty fast as it's rising or as it's, you know, setting. But a lot of times, you know, I'll just, I'll either be driving or I'll be out walking or even riding, you know, and I'll, certain things will just, like, capture mine. Like, oh, I got to capture it. And I got to see it. I see it right there. I got to get it. You know, I'm seeing it now. Mm -hmm. So it's, a lot of it's not real planned out. Yeah. It, just, it just varies. Um, this last time I went, this last time I went to Colorado and, and I wasn't there very long. I had, like, a week and a half. But being that I had been there a few other times, uh, I knew a few places that I wanted to photograph. And so, like, in that situation, it was kind of planned out, you know. Mm -hmm. And I tried to, like, plan what time of the day do I want to be there. Um, but when I've done that, or when I did do that, it left me kind of feeling like I'd like to come back to these places, and I, I spend the whole day there, or even three days there, you know. So I'm capturing the same thing in different lighting, because you're going to get a whole different effect, you know. Mm -hmm or even different times of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just, it changes, you know, you never know the subject, whatever it may be. Yeah. That's cool. Do you ever think about doing like filming stuff? I do like the time-lapse films. Do you ever get into that? I, I haven't got into it, but I'm definitely attracted to it. Yeah. I, I definitely like to, when I do come across other, you know, shots or short films or anything that someone else is doing, mm -hmm. you know, it catches my attention and I watch it, you know, like, you know I'd like to do that. Mm -hmm. you know, it'd be cool to do that. So. That's cool. Uh, 
you had posted something the, the other day, like I think it was like an old ad uh, back when in your drummer days. Yeah. So you used to do like the, the rock drums and shit. How long has it been since you since you played? Um, I guess I stopped playing with the bands like in '93. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, what kind of bands were you in back then? Terra. I played in the band Terra, and that was like hardcore punk. You know, uh, kind of maybe a little bit of misfit influence, but there was a lot of. The, the guest, the guy that wrote most of the music, had a lot of different influences, but um, but definitely just hard driving, hard, hard hardcore punk. Yeah. And then uh, the second band was called Black James Dean, and that was more kind of a gothic industrial, you know, kind of sound, mm. but yet still had some songs that had some hard driving, you know, metal beats to it. Mm-hmm. And that, that was real fun. That band offered a little bit more. Uh, challenging, I guess, in a sense. It made me think, you know, and, and, and made me learn how to play new, different style or beats mm-hmm. that I wasn't playing with the other band. And uh, I had fun with it, man. It was cool. You know? Did you just play local or did you ever do any tours? No, just local. Just local? Yeah, I, yeah, I think, I was gonna say, I thought the Terror, I thought we went and did a show in uh, Tennessee, like in Chattanooga one time, but I think we did. I think it just, just let him. Yeah. yeah, but back then, you know, there were so many venues to play in the band. The music scene in the nineties, eighties, and nineties was just every day of the week. You know, it didn't matter. Every day of the week, there was somebody playing somewhere, or there was somewhere to play. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't really making any money. You know, most of the time it was like maybe twenty-five, fifty bucks and a twelve-pack of beer, you know, yeah. or a bar tab, you know. But it was it was about just being out in the scene and, and playing your music and you know most of the time you, everybody was your friend that was there you know you mm-hmm. hang out in the same bars and so it was a good scene you know, it was it was definitely uh, it was just fun being out and playing you know and during that era a lot of a lot of bands that came out of that era you know, did well you know? mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, you know, I still have a drum set, and every once in a while I'll pull it out and set it up and play. And uh, man, maybe I should get back and, you know, get a band together and play again. But I don't know. It's it's, it's commitment, you know? Yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's, a, it's a big commitment. It's a, it's a time you got to schedule, especially if you got to put a band together and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, I sold my drums, like, I guess it was over a year ago. And uh, every now and then, like, if I hear like a good a good uh, album or something, I was like, man, I, I miss playing drums. I wish I was playing yeah. drums again and stuff. But I would have to buy it, and then I have to find a place to play, you know. But you got that that shop. You could play at that shop. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. So you already got a place to play, and you Definitely. already got the drums. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess about three months ago, I had set them up and I had it up. I had them up, you know, for about two months. And I was just playing like every other day and. It was cool. It felt good, you know. Yeah. It felt good. I also, you know, noticed how I lost, you know, some of my chops. So I had to like maybe start coming and getting driving again. Like, man, I need to get that back. I need to get back in the groove. Yeah, know? that's another thing too. Like, I'm wondering, like, how much will come back just out of muscle memory and stuff? Or, yeah. Or, or I haven't done it in so long. Like, do I even know how to play anymore? So I don't know. I don't want to like invest all that money into it and then find out like, <laughs> yeah. man, I suck now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, I don't like playing drums anymore. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's, that's another thing too. 
the, and the, the place where I sold my drums to, I sold them to uh, some church. Um, the church, they were at that Ingram Center, that Ingram Square where that oh, fire was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think they had any damage and stuff, but when I sold them, he was like, yeah, you can, you can come by any time and play them. Oh, really? Yeah, like, so I thought about doing, like, the worship band, you know, yeah. but then I got to play at that church, and I got to <laughs> gotta wake up early and all that stuff, <laughs> and then I just see myself, like, sitting in with them and start playing and then just rock out and yeah, right. you know, just throwing some thrash in there and then <laughs> throw the sticks and peace, I'm out of here. Never get invited back again. Yeah. Sure, you are not allowed back. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. that shit's fun. Man. I mean, I had a lot of fun with it, but uh, again, it was just scheduling, scheduling time with people and yeah. being in a band is so hard. Like you have to, everybody has to be on the same page, the same schedule. And just the older we, we got, like nobody, nobody could stick to a schedule, and you can't expect them to. I mean, shit happens all the time. Shit yeah. comes up all the time. It does. It does. So, well, see that, like, like I said, I quit in '93, and uh, my daughter was born in '94, and and that was that was a big part of it too, to kind of kick back from the scene. You know, it was time. I felt like it was time for me to like get it together and, and get ready to have this child. You know. And, mm-hmm. I was running my own business at the time. I had a mobile detail service that I ran for 18 years. And uh, so I was already doing that. So I felt like it was like, I maybe need to give this up for a while. I'm like, focus on, you know, working, making money, and then getting ready for, to provide, you know, for this child that was coming. Mm-hmm. So that, that was a real big motive there, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I'm glad I did it. It was, it was the right thing to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was fun. It was fun doing it. You know? Yeah, and it was like, fun. And like that article you saw, you know, that was a... Like that, what was that? That was like an ad, like you were looking for uh, a Yeah, band. well, it was a buddy of mine uh, by the name of Michael K. And he, he wrote for different, you know, local zines or, yeah. you know, p- uh, publications, I guess, rather, in, yeah. in Atlanta. So we were pretty good friends. And he, he, was, he always supported the bands I played in, you know. Yeah. And, and everybody else's band, for that matter, you know. So I think we had, I had ran into him at the bar one night and told him, like, oh, I'm not playing you know, with Terror anymore. I'm not playing with you know, Black James Dean. I'm, you know, I still want to play. And so uh, I was like, dude, I'll, I'm going to do a write-up on it, you know? Uh, and so he did that write-up, and it was, it was cool, you know? And it was funny, too, because in, in bold it had to say, like, has own, or owns own car, <laughs> no drug problems, right. or something like that. Yeah, no, 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 uh, no drug problems. No alcohol problems, has a job. Yeah. And so, therefore, he's not looking for a stripper girlfriend to take care of him. Oh, that's right. (laughs) But, man, I I remember having to put, like, I hated doing that, too. Like, putting ads in in the paper, like, uh, I I forget which paper it was. But you would have to put stuff like that, you know. I have a truck. You know, I I have transportation. uh, No drug problems. You know, you had to put that shit out there. You did. You do. Because if you met somebody who didn't put that in their ad... You found out they don't have a car and they have a drug problem. <laughs> right, right. You know, and I was like, "How is that really necessary?" But it it really was, or else you drive out and you were wasting time with some. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know? And see, I think I still think about that. You know, and so you I, had to do that shit in '93. I mean, I, I oh back then, yeah, yeah. it was crazy. It was all flyers, you know, flyers. You got to put flyers up, I mean, or the, whatever local you know publication that was out. You know? yeah. 
and all that. There was no social media. You know? Oh, that's right. Yeah, not at all. You, you know, we had pagers back then. If you if you were even you know that lucky to have a pager. Yeah. And, you know, just a regular landline. So I was thinking about that the other day. You know how much time and energy I, I pushed and slept and ate. You know, Frankenbike when I started it. You know, once I, once I got the idea. Okay, this is what we're doing. Dude, that's all I was doing, you know, every day. Because even with that, you would have to do physical flyers, physical handouts, right? Yeah, like at, at the beginning of it, yeah, for sure. And, and uh, I had a Facebook page, but it was a friend that set it up for me from when I moved from Atlanta to San Antonio. And she's like, you know, I'm going to do this. I want to keep in touch, you know. I'm like, you know, I don't do that. You know, I think I didn't buy it. So I had the Facebook and, and didn't really even use it for like two years. You mm-hmm. know? And then when I got win, like, I thought, I was like, wait a minute, I can... I could use that, you know, for Frankenbike, and mm-hmm. so that definitely helped a lot. But prior to that, yeah, I was out there, flyers, and just like I used to do back in the '90s with with the bands and everybody else did. You know, mm-hmm. you had to put flyers out there, pump them out there, you know, put them on people's faces, put them on the telephone poles, and mm-hmm. everywhere you could get it, you know. Because that was the word. That was a way to get the word out. Yeah, you don't see flyers anymore. Not too many flyers anymore, man. Everybody just yeah, they yeah. share it on Facebook, and I, I promoted my show. Yeah, no, you really didn't. You know, like right. nobody's really paying attention to that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But then again, with the flyers, it's like you're just handing shit out. Like here, you throw this away from me. Right. There you is know? that too. Because uh, at some point, people stop caring about flyers. So yeah. Because I remember, like in Atlanta, it, you would. There was times, you know, whatever band was putting a flyer out, you know, you always wanted to outdo everybody, the next band. So mm-hmm. you would create this fucking cool, you know, flyer, whether it be a logo of your band or a picture of the band or some kind of drawing that kind of... Uh, it had to be catchy. You had to, yeah, you yeah, had to have definitely. A visual on there, yeah. For sure. So then there was people out there that, like, they were into it, so they were collecting the flyers, too, you know? which was still kind of cool because that person would take that flyer and they'd put it in their house or wherever and then their friend would see it. So it was still like getting the word out there and the marketing, you know, it, it all had, it all worked. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, when I was living in Seattle, people like, they, they still believed in flyers and posters and stuff. They even had like, there's small businesses that would pass out your flyers or poster posters for yeah. you. Right. You know, so again, I'm, I haven't been there in, years i don't know if that's still the thing but they were still doing it. they were yeah. still doing the flyer thing they were still doing the poster thing that was 2008 2009 shit like that even with facebook still being you know pop, a popular thing they right. would go out and hit the streets and pass out some shit and let people know yeah that they're playing you know at the bar well you think about it too like so you get out in the street and you're meeting people you're meeting people you know so yeah. they're, they're you're hoping to draw them you know you know, get the attention of them to come see your band, you know, come support it. Yeah. And so that's that's a lot more personal than, than what it, I think it is today, you know, with social media. It's not personal at all. Like, no. No. You inviting people and you just send like a mass invitation, but like nobody really knows what this event is. I mean, right. you got to go and you got to tell them, well, you know, what's going on. Like, oh, do you like, what kind of music do you like? You know, yeah. do you like stuff like that nobody does that anymore yeah definitely it's funny I was I forget where I was I guess I was in California um somebody had mentioned uh Fred Durst I think they lived Fred in the Durst? Sa- yeah Durst? yeah I think they lived in the same city as he did and they grew up you know with him and they were talking about when he first started out 
and which was probably you know before social media really was really hitting hard, you know, where you could promote stuff on it. His thing, what he, what he would do, he would call different clubs or record stores, and, and he'd say like, "Have you heard of that, you know, Limp Biscuit band? You know, do you know if they're playing? Are you guys going to have them?" Mm-hmm. And he would do that constantly to different places, all wherever he was, you know, wherever which city he was in. Mm-hmm. And so he was marketing, you know, and he was putting it out there. And then he'd get his friends to do it too, you know, in the same clubs or whatever. And so eventually, then eventually he would go into this club and was like, hey, my name's Fred Durst, this is my band, Lynn Biscuit. And he was like, oh yeah, we've been getting calls about your yeah. band, you know. And I didn't know that he did that, but that's kind of how he started. That's pretty smart. It is, dude. Very smart. Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time, well, now that you're talking about Lynn Biscuit, the first time that I saw Lynn Biscuit, uh, didn't know anything about him, never heard of him before. We only went to the show because of that band Clutch was oh, yeah. uh, was opening for them. Oh, you know, yeah. big Clutch band. Always been a big Clutch band. Yeah. So I we went to that show, and then we, I mean, we wound up staying. You know, they, Limp Bizkit came on, and it was pretty cool. I mean, it was the, the beginning of uh, you know that rap metal, whatever. Right. Right. New. Um, so we we stuck around, and you know, it was a, it was a decent show. I mean, it was a really good show, and then. Uh, Afterwards, we went backstage. It was at White Rabbit or uh, Paper Tiger now, but it was White Rabbit back then. Uh, And so we're just chilling out backstage, you know, trying to, you know, meet up with the band. And we still wanted to meet with with Clutch and stuff. And uh, we're hanging out there. And Fred Durst is the first guy to come out. And he, you know, approaches the crowd and all that stuff. And he grabs a buddy of mine. And he's like, hey, man, did you enjoy the show? You had a good show? And he goes... I'm not here to see you, dog. And he fucking like walked off because we were there to meet, meet Clutch and shit. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not here to see you. Um, and then he's like, unhand me. And then he fucking walks off and shit. And then that maybe two weeks later, that's when they blew up on MTV. They were doing like that MTV spring oh, break yeah, and shit. Yeah. I was like, dude, that's the guy that you dissed. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. He's like, fuck that guy. Still don't give a shit. About <laughs> right. it. Uh, so yeah. when, when, uh, that, the person that told me that, I was like, oh, wow. And uh, it just made me kind of think about um, how to maybe even like promote Frankenbike again in, mm-hmm. in another city. Uh, you know, I've been thinking about moving to Colorado, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to do it this summer. So I was like, I could go to Denver and I could kind of do that same thing that Fred Durst, just start calling the bike shops, you know, mm-hmm. or call different uh, establishments coffee shops, whatever. Uh, I heard there's a, a bicycle swap meet, Frankenbike, yeah. that's coming to town. Uh, I heard that maybe you guys were going to host it and, and just start kind of dropping the seed out there. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. You got to do it happen. old school, you know, like the whole uh, promoting on Facebook. It's just, it's not working. You got to do it yeah, old school too. We do, we do. So you plan to move out to Colorado, take this to Colorado? Yeah, yeah. You say within the, the, the next six months? Next. Yeah. I say, you know, hopefully by June, you know, no later than July. Yeah, so we'll go, go check it out, man, and see what see what I can do over there. That's cool, man. Yeah, that's cool. I've, I think I told you. I will, I've driven through Colorado. I've never stayed there, but it's a nice place. I wouldn't wouldn't mind checking it out. Yeah, we have some family. My wife has some family up there. Oh uh, yeah. So she wants to go visit visit up there and check it out. I told her we'll wait till it gets a little bit warmer. Yeah. You know, I don't want to go during the winter. <laughs> you know. Springtime's cool, you know, it's beautiful, things are blooming, and, and uh, um, September's a good time because you get the fall foliage up there. Yeah. You know, it can be cold some of, the, some of the nights, but 
and the uh, the colors of, of the aspen trees and, and the changes and everything is just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. It's, yeah. So that's a good time. But yeah, I'm going to go up there so you'll have more family up there. You know? oh, yeah, there you go, man. Yeah. And exactly. you said six months? You're, you're yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, for sure. Because I'd like to be there for the summer and then get ready for the, the fall, you know. Yeah. And hopefully uh, get into some really good photos of different landscape yeah. and whatever out there. But mainly the landscape and the mountains and the colors and yeah, I'm really attracted to it. So I'm like excited about it on that end you know, yeah. to be there for that and see what I, what I come up with. Yeah. That's good, man. Good luck with that. Yeah. And uh, with the whole Frank and Pipe stuff. Yeah. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. We'll do this again. Yeah, yeah. my pleasure. Heck yeah. Talking about some old shit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I can talk about old shit all night long. <laughs> <laughs>